0: Hey listeners, welcome back to Shades of Crime. Members of the LGBTQ community are often subjected to hate crimes solely for existing as their authentic selves, and these crimes disproportionately affect the trans community, particularly trans women of color and black trans women. So much so that the American Medical Association described fatal attacks on transgendered people of color as an epidemic. However, these murders always seem to slide under the radar and that needs to change. Black trans lives matter. That's why today I'll be telling you about the murders of Bubba Walker and B Love, two black trans women whose lives were tragically taken from them and have not garnered the attention that they deserve. So get ready because things are about to get shady. <laughs> Bubba Walker was a 55-year-old woman living in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she had lived for about 30 years. Bubba was a pillar of the small and close-knit Charlotte trans community, and she was reported as a maternal figure to the trans youth in her community. Bubba was said to have been kind, cautious, and quick-thinking, so it's no surprise that when Bubba met a fellow trans woman named Catelyn at the 2018 Trans Day of Remembrance vigil, They quickly became best friends, and most of what we know today about Bubba actually comes from Catlin. Bubba lived a fairly quiet lifestyle and spent most of her life in the confines of Tuckasegee, Beattie's Ford, and West Boulevard and Remount Roads. She had no access to a car so Bubba would walk for groceries and anything else she needed, and much like most other residents in the area, Bubba seldomly strayed from this location. And that's the exact reason why Bubba's friends were shocked to hear that on July 30th, 2019, Bubba's remains had been found in a burned-down building at 6137 Kelney Lane, 10 miles away from her home. In the early morning of July 27th, police received a report of a fire blazing off Interstate 77. Initially, first responders went to the wrong address, and when they finally had gotten to 6137 Kelney Lane, the fire was blazing out of control. It took 23 firefighters about 35 minutes to put out the flames, and once they managed to quell these flames, the lot was reduced to little more than rubble. Due to the house's unstable condition, and being no reason to suspect anyone was in the house during the fire, the firefighting team elected not to search the premises. This home was on the end of a neighbourhood, which comprised of sparse commercial lots and many lots under construction, surrounded by heavily wooded areas. 6137 Kelney Lane was actually in the works of being transformed from a home into an office building, and it wasn't listed as a residential space at this time. The lot was supposedly in shambles and far from suitable for even spending a single night, so when an insurance broker went to investigate the damage three days after the fire, he never expected to find what he did. While walking amongst the rubble of the burned building, the adjuster stumbled upon the badly burned remains of a person in the ruins. When police collected the body, they apparently had no idea of who it could be. On July 26th, Bubba had not been seen for a few days, and a concerned friend made a formal missing persons report. While Bubba liked to go off the grid for a few days here and there, usually someone knew her location, but at this time, no one did. So when her friends heard of the unidentified body, they knew it had to be Bubba. Despite this, the body remained unidentified for a whole month until some of Bubba's family submitted DNA samples which positively ID'd the body to be that of Bubba Walker. In a public statement, police provided the identity of the body. Unfortunately, as is so often the case, police had deadnamed Bubba in their press release. For those of you who might not know what deadnaming is, It's basically when a trans or non-binary person who has died is not referred to by their correct pronouns or by their names that align with their true identity. Dead naming can frequently cause significant confusion for family and friends who knew the individual by their true identity and the identity that they expressed in their day-to-day lives. Once Bubba was properly ID'd and aligned with her correct pronouns, friends were able to host a vigil in her memory. But something about all of this sat wrong with Bubba's friends, particularly Catlin. Catlin described Bubba as very aware of her surroundings and quick-witted, so it didn't make sense to her that Bubba would have died in a fire. She knew that Bubba would have found a way out if she was conscious. Additionally, Bubba had never been in the area and had zero reason to be there. For those reasons, Catlin pushed law enforcement to look further into Bubba's death and when they did so, they found circumstances to be suspicious and reopened the case as a homicide investigation. But police have not released any further information, leaving us and Bubba's friends and family in the dark. But from general reports on the case, there are a few important things that we can extract from these events. Every day, the site had a group of workers making changes to the house from morning to evening. And while they were doing so, they had never reported signs of anyone living there. Moreover, the workers reported no fire hazards or potential causes of an accidental fire, making arson much more likely. Another factor is that this area was secluded and the main people there were construction workers developing the new-redone properties. The only people regularly in that area were the workers, so the most prominent theory is that someone working in that area targeted Bubba, murdered her, and burned the building. Although we really don't have any evidence to substantiate this, but it's the closest we have to any theory of what might have happened. To me, this death seems almost undeniably a murder, but in the next case I'm going to tell you about, there's no question that it was a murder. Back in 2018, 22-year-old Bee Love had begun her transition and with each day of change, B felt stronger and was learning to love herself. She started to feel like a confident woman and she was really coming into her own with her identity. During her transition, B was only one of two openly trans women in the small rural town of Pahokee in Florida. However, this didn't stop Bee from being her authentic self and daring to stand out. Bee was said to be a loving and compassionate woman who supposedly made friends with ease and this was evident when hearing friends talk about her. But as with so many people daring to stand out, Bee encountered people uncomfortable seeing a strong black trans woman flourish. In 2019, Bee was targeted by a scare tactic frequently used against the queer community to demonize us and validate unfounded fears. Bee Love was accused on Facebook of sexually assaulting a 12-year-old boy by a man named Jamson Richmond, and Richmond had gone so far to post that B Love needed to be killed. Now don't get me wrong, I believe victims. But looking historically accusations of sexual assault have very frequently been used to target members of the LGBTQ community based on little to no evidence. Take for example the San Antonio Four. These were four lesbian women who were accused of sexually assaulting two girls in 1994 and they were put in jail for it. But when this case was looked into the trials were full of falsified documents and the stories from the girls had actually been fed to them by their parents and it seemed to be based solely on their hatred of homosexuality and these girls actually recanted their statements and it was completely unfounded and this is just one of many examples of how members of the LGBTQ are painted as sexual deviants, and B Love is no exception. These accusations against B were unfounded and there was zero evidence to support them. And B and her friends knew this. Nevertheless, in a small, closed-minded community, the hatred of B grew, and she could feel it. During the day of September 4th, 2019, B texted her best friend, Kennard Wade, saying that she had to leave town, and that if she didn't, she would be in big trouble. Kennard knew B wanted to move to Orlando to live in a larger city with a larger trans community. However, these texts were different, and Kennard could feel B's urgency, and when she told him she was leaving and living out of her car until she found a new job, he said he would join her. Unfortunately, B couldn't wait for him to be ready and she left that night. Early in the morning of September 5th, Police were called to 13th and Virginia Street in Harlem, Florida, to investigate a burning car in the area. When police arrived on the scene, they saw a car burned beyond recognition, but it wasn't until they looked into the car that they understood the gravity of the situation. In the car was a body burned beyond recognition sitting in the driver's seat. The body was collected and brought to the coroner, with no idea who the victim was. When news got out, Kennard knew this was B, and he even recognized the car as being hers. Kennard reported this to the police, but it wasn't until September 6th that the Hendry County Police Department released the victim's identity, which was in fact B. But just like in Bubba's case, B had been named. Kennard told police that he knew this was a hate crime, but police for some reason weren't quite convinced. But the crime scene gave no doubt that this was in fact a homicide. Some sources state that B had been bound and shot prior to the car being burned but it appears this may not be the case and the coroner report apparently states that the cause of death is unknown and that the body was burned far beyond the point that any cause of death could be determined. Despite not knowing a cause of death, there was one thing that gave police an idea of who had killed B. Love. When they looked on B.'s Facebook, police found their primary suspect, 29 year old Jamson Richmond. Richmond was already on police radars for the murder of Jamal Hubert back in June of 2019, and they had been searching him out along with his accomplice, Terrence Demetrius Thomas. In July, the two were arrested, but Richmond was released due to lack of evidence. However, Thomas was arrested, and he was put at an $100,000 bail, which on August 1st was paid, and Thomas was released on his $100,000 bond. Both Thomas and Richmond lived minutes away from B's murder site, which was about 30 miles away from where B actually lived. Due to police's suspicions of Richmond's involvement in B's death, they had searched his home and they were seen leaving with bags of evidence. However, none of what they found has been released to the public. On September 30th, police found Richmond and arrested him. Richmond was taken to trial and convicted on charges of evidence tampering and second-degree murder. But these were not convictions for B. Love's case. These were all for Jamal Hubert's case. And B.'s case remains unresolved to this day. After B. was identified, friends and family held a vigil in her name where they shared stories of the vibrant and loving woman they knew. But they were left with no feeling of closure or justice for B. Love. Trans and gender non-conforming people frequently lose family and those who they were once close to when they come out and live authentically, and this so frequently reduces advocates for these individuals. That's why we need to use our voices to stop the societal failure to protect marginalized communities. These two women deserve justice, and we can't allow these murders of black trans women to continue. Murders of trans individuals are drastically underreported and that needs to stop. In 2019, an estimated 331 transgender or gender non-conforming people were murdered globally. But that number is actually likely quite a bit higher. See if the trans or non-gender conforming person's family does not accept their pronouns or if they don't have anyone that recognizes them then frequently their gender is misreported and their case isn't able to be considered a crime against a trans individual. This year, in the United States alone, at least 15 trans or gender nonconforming people have been murdered. But these people are not just numbers. We need to say their names. Dustin Parker, 25. He was fatally shot in McAllister, Oklahoma, early New Year's Day. Nulisa Luciano Ruiz, a trans Latinx woman, was fatally shot in Toa Baja, Puerto Rico, on February 24th. Yampi Mendez Orocho, a 19 year old trans Latinx woman, was killed in Mocha, Puerto Rico, on March 5th. Monica Diamond, a 34-year-old black trans woman, was killed in Charlotte, North Carolina, on March 18th. Lexi, 33, she was stabbed to death in Harlem, New York, on March 28th. Johanna Metzger, she was killed in Baltimore, Maryland, on April 11th. Serena Angelique Velazquez-Ramos, a 32-year-old Latinx trans woman, and Leila Pelez-Sanchez, a 21-year-old Latinx trans woman. These two women were murdered while together in Puerto Rico on April 21st. Penelope Diaz-Ramirez was a trans Latinx woman, and she was murdered in Puerto Rico on April 13th. Nina Pop, a black trans woman, she was murdered in Sykeston, Missouri on May 3rd. Heli J. O'Regan, 20. She was killed in San Antonio, Texas on May 6th. Tony McDade, a black trans man. He was murdered by police in Tallahassee, Florida on May 27th. Dominique Remy Fells, a black trans woman. She was killed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on June 9th. Rhea Milton, a 33 year old black trans woman. She was killed in Liberty Township, Ohio on June 9th. Jane Thompson, 33. She was killed by a Colorado State Trooper in Mesa County, Colorado on May 9th. Of these 15 murders, nine were on trans women of color, four of which were black trans women and five were Latinx. In Serena Angelique Velazquez Ramos and Leila Pelez-Sanchez's murders, two men were charged. In Helly J. O'Regan's murder case, Damian Terrell Campbell was charged with murder. None of these other cases have had any formal convictions laid on the perpetrators. That's only 3 out of 15 murders that have had any sort of conviction. These cases come from the United States exclusively, there isn't a lot to be found on the murders of trans and gender nonconforming people elsewhere in 2020, but it's fair to say that globally, trans and gender nonconforming people face similar fates. If you aren't outraged, you aren't listening. If you choose not to advocate for these lives, you are allowing the problem to persist. Black trans lives matter. All black lives matter. Please share what you've learned. Put pressure on law enforcement to solve the forgotten cases of of those targeted by hate crimes. Show the world that the murder of black trans people will be treated as murder and not swept under the rug. I urge you to seek out information on this topic and share what you learn. That's it for this episode, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Shades of Crime. Our theme music is by Shali Musso. You can find Shades of Crime on basically any platform where you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this episode, email us at shadesofcrime at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Podcast. The sources for this episode can be found on our website www.shadesofcrime.ca. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.